chapter five part one of the life of washington volume four by john marshall this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter five part one the election of general washington officially announced to him his departure for the seat of government marks of affection shown him on his journey his inauguration and speech to congress his system of intercourse with the world letters on this and other subjects answer of both houses of congress to the speech domestic and foreign relations of the united states debates on the impost and tonnage bills on the power of removal from office on the policy of the secretary of the treasury reporting plans of revenue on the style of the president amendments to the constitution appointment of executive officers and of the judges adjournment of the first session of congress the president visits new england his reception north carolina accedes to the union seventeen eighty nine the election of general washington officially announced to him the election of general washington to the office of chief magistrate of the united states was announced to him at mount vernon on the fourteenth of april seventeen eighty nine accustomed to respect the wishes of his fellow-citizens he did not think himself at liberty to decline an appointment conferred upon him by the suffrage of an entire people his acceptance of it and his expressions of gratitude for this fresh proof of the esteem and confidence of his country were connected with declarations of diffidence in himself i wish he said that there may not be reason for regretting the choice for indeed all i can promise is to accomplish that which can be done by an honest zeal his departure for the seat of government as the public business required the immediate attendance of the president at the seat of government he hastened his departure and on the second day after receiving notice of his appointment took leave of mount vernon in an entry made by himself in his diary the feelings inspired by an occasion so affecting to his mind are thus described about ten o'clock i bade adieu to mount vernon to private life and to domestic felicity and with a mind oppressed with more anxious and painful sensations than i have words to express set out for new york in company with mr thompson and colonel humphreys with the best dispositions to render service to my country in obedience to its call but with less hope of answering its expectations marks of respect and affection shown him on his journey he was met by a number of gentlemen residing in alexandria and escorted to their city where a public dinner had been prepared to which he was invited the sentiments of veneration and affection which were felt by all classes of his fellow-citizens for their patriot chief were manifested by the most flattering marks of heartfelt respect and by addresses which evinced the unlimited confidence reposed in his virtues and his talents a place cannot be given to these addresses but that from the citizens of alexandria derive such pretensions to particular notice from the recollection that it is to be considered as an effusion from the hearts of his neighbors and private friends that its insertion may be pardoned it is in the following words again your country commands your care obedient to its wishes unmindful of your ease we see you again relinquishing the bliss of retirement and this too at a period of life when nature itself seems to authorize a preference of repose not to extol your glory as a soldier not to pour forth our gratitude for past services not to acknowledge the justice of the unexampled honor which has been conferred upon you by the spontaneous and unanimous suffrages of three millions of freemen in your election to the supreme magistracy nor to admire the patriotism which directs your conduct do your neighbors and friends now address you themes less splendid but more endearing impress our minds the first and best of citizens must leave us our aged 
must lose their ornament our youth their model our agriculture is its improver our commerce its friend our infant academy its protector our poor their benefactor and the interior navigation of the potomac an event replete with the most extensive utility already by your unremitted exertions brought into partial use its institutor and promoter farewell go and make our grateful people happy a people who will be doubly grateful when they contemplate this recent sacrifice for their interest to that being who maketh and unmaketh at his will we commend you and after the accomplishment of the arduous business to which you are called may he restore to us again the best of men and the most beloved fellow-citizen to this affectionate address general washington returned the following answer gentlemen although i ought not to conceal yet i cannot describe the painful emotions which i felt in being called upon to determine whether i would accept or refuse the presidency of the united states the unanimity in the choice the opinion of my friends communicated from different parts of europe as well as from america the apparent wish of those who were not entirely satisfied with the constitution in its present form and an ardent desire on my own part to be instrumental in connecting the good will of my countrymen towards each other have induced an acceptance those who know me best and you my fellow-citizens are from your situation in that number no better than any others my love of retirement is so great that no earthly consideration short of a conviction of duty could have prevailed upon me to depart from my resolution never more to take any share in transactions of a public nature for at my age and in my circumstances what prospects or advantages could i propose to myself from embarking again on the tempestuous and uncertain ocean of public life i do not feel myself under the necessity of making public declarations in order to convince you gentlemen of my attachment to yourselves and regard for your interests the whole tenor of my life has been open to your inspection and my past actions rather than my present declarations must be the pledge of my future conduct in the meantime i thank you most sincerely for the expressions of kindness contained in your valedictory address it is true just after having bade adieu to my domestic connections this tender proof of your friendships is but too well calculated still further to awaken my sensibility and increase my regret at parting from the enjoyments of private life all that now remains for me is to commit myself and you to the protection of that beneficent being who on a former occasion hath happily brought us together after a long and distressing separation perhaps the same gracious providence will again indulge me unutterable sensations must then be left to more expressive silence while from an aching heart i bid you all my affectionate friends and kind neighbours farewell in the afternoon of the same day he left alexandria and was attended by his neighbours to georgetown where a number of citizens from the state of maryland had assembled to receive him throughout his journey the people continued to manifest the same feeling crowds flocked around him wherever he stopped and corps of militia and companies of the most respectable citizens escorted him through their respective streets at philadelphia he was received with peculiar splendor gray's bridge over the scutchel was highly decorated in imitation of the triumphal exhibitions of ancient rome an arch composed of laurel in which was displayed the simple elegance of true taste was erected at each end of it and on each side was a laurel shrubbery as the object of universal admiration passed under the arch a civic crown was unperceived by him let down upon his head by a youth ornamented with sprigs of laurel who was assisted by machinery the fields and avenues leading from the scutcher to philadelphia were crowded with people through whom general washington was conducted into the city by a numerous and respectable body of citizens and at night the town was illuminated 
the next day at trenton he was welcomed in a manner as new as it was pleasing in addition to the usual demonstrations of respect and attachment which were given by the discharge of cannon by military corps and by private persons of distinction the gentler sex prepared in their own taste a tribute of applause indicative of the grateful recollection in which they held their deliverance twelve years before from a formidable enemy on the bridge over the creek which passes through the town was erected a triumphal arch highly ornamented with laurels and flowers and supported by thirteen pillars each entwined with wreaths of evergreen on the front arch was inscribed in large gilt letters the defender of the mothers will be the protector of the daughters on the centre of the arch above the inscription was a dome or cupola of flowers and evergreens encircling the dates of two memorable events which were peculiarly interesting to new jersey the first was the battle of trenton and the second the bold and judicious stand made by the american troops at the same creek by which the progress of the british army was arrested on the evening preceding the battle of princeton at this place he was met by a party of matrons leading their daughters dressed in white who carried baskets of flowers in their hands and sang with exquisite sweetness an ode of two stanzas composed for the occasion at brunswick he was joined by the governor of new jersey who accompanied him to elizabethtown point a committee of congress received him on the road and conducted him with military parade to the point where he took leave of the governor and other gentlemen of jersey and embarked for new york in an elegant barge of thirteen oars manned by thirteen branch pilots prepared for the purpose by the citizens of new york the display of boats says the general in his private journal which attended and joined on this occasion some with vocal and others with instrumental music on board the decorations of the ships the roar of cannon and the loud acclamations of the people which rent the sky as i passed along the wharves filled my mind with sensations as painful contemplating the reverse of this scene which may be the case after all my labours to do good as they were pleasing at the stairs on murray's wharf which had been prepared and ornamented for the purpose he was received by the governor of new york and conducted with military honours through an immense concourse of people to the apartments provided for him these were attended by all who were in office and by many private citizens of distinction who pressed around him to offer their congratulations and to express the joy which glowed in their bosoms at seeing the man in whom all confided at the head of the american empire this day of extravagant joy was succeeded by a splendid illumination it is no equivocal mark of the worth of washington and of the soundness of his judgment that it could neither be corrupted nor misguided by these flattering testimonials of attachment two days before the arrival of the president the vice-president took his seat in the senate and addressed that body in a dignified speech adapted to the occasion in which after manifesting the high opinion that statesmen always entertained of his countrymen he thus expressed his sentiments of the executive magistrate it is with satisfaction that i congratulate the people of america on the formation of a national constitution and the fair prospect of a consistent administration of a government of laws on the acquisition of a house of representatives chosen by themselves of a senate thus composed by their own state legislatures and on the prospect of an executive authority in the hands of one whose portrait i shall not presume to draw were i blessed with powers to do justice to his character it would be impossible to increase the confidence or affection of his country or make the smallest addition to his glory this can only be effected by a discharge of the present exalted trust on the same principles with the same abilities and virtues which have uniformly appeared in all his former conduct public or private may i nevertheless be indulged to inquire if we look over the catalogue 
of the first magistrates of nations whether they have been denominated presidents or consuls kings or princes where shall we find one whose commanding talents and virtues whose overruling good fortune have so completely united all hearts and voices in his favour who enjoyed the esteem and admiration of foreign nations and fellow-citizens with equal unanimity qualities so uncommon are no common blessings to the country that possesses them by these great qualities and their benign effects has providence marked out the head of this nation with a hand so distinctly visible as to have been seen by all men and mistaken by none washington taking the oath of office from the painting by alonzo chapel on the balcony of the old city hall broad and wall streets new york washington was sworn in as first president of the united states april thirtieth seventeen eighty nine the artist here accurately depicts him wearing a suit of dark brown at his side a dress sword and his hair powdered in the fashion of the period white silk stockings and shoes with simple silver buckles completed his attire on one side of him stood chancellor livingstone who administered the oath on the other side was vice-president john adams washington solemnly repeated the words of the oath clearly enunciating i swear adding in a whisper with closed eyes so help me god he forms a system of conduct to be observed in his intercourse with the world a president of the united states being a new political personage to a great portion of whose time the public was entitled it became proper to digest a system of conduct to be observed in his intercourse with the world which would keep in view the duties of his station without entirely disregarding his personal accommodation or the course of public opinion in the interval between his arrival in new york and entering on the duties of his office those most capable of advising on the subject were consulted and some rules were framed by general washington for his government in these respects as one of them the allotment of a particular hour for receiving visits not on business became the subject of much animadversion and being considered merely as an imitation of the levy days established by crowned heads has constituted not the least important of the charges which have been made against this gentleman the motives assigned by himself for the rule may not be unworthy of attention letters from him on this and other subjects not long after the government came into operation dr stuart a gentleman nearly connected with the president in friendship and by marriage addressed to him a letter stating the accusations which were commonly circulating in virginia on various subjects and especially against the regal manners of those who administered the affairs of the nation in answer to this letter the president observed while the eyes of america perhaps of the world are turned to this government and many are watching the movements of all those who are concerned in its administration i should like to be informed through so good a medium of the public opinion of both men and measures and of none more than myself not so much of what may be thought commendable parts if any of my conduct as of those which are conceived to be of a different complexion the man who means to commit no wrong will never be guilty of enormities consequently can never be unwilling to learn what are ascribed to him as foibles if they are really such the knowledge of them in a well-disposed mind will go half-way towards a reform if they are not errors he can explain and justify the motives of his actions at a distance from the theatre of action truth is not always related without embellishment and sometimes is entirely perverted from a misconception of the causes which produce the effects that are the subject of censure this leads me to think that a system which i found it indispensably necessary to adopt upon my first coming to this city might have undergone severe strictures and have had motives very foreign from those that govern me assigned as causes thereof i mean first returning 
no visits second appointing certain days to receive them generally not to the exclusion however of visits on any other days under particular circumstances and third at first entertaining no company and afterwards until i was unable to entertain any at all confining it to official characters a few days evince the necessity of the two first in so clear a point of view that had i not adopted it i should have been unable to have attended to any sort of business unless i had applied the hours allotted to rest and refreshment to this purpose for by the time i had done breakfast and thence until dinner and afterwards until bedtime i could not get relief from the ceremony of one visit before i had to attend to another in a word i had no leisure to read or to answer the dispatches that were pouring in upon me from all quarters in a subsequent letter written to the same gentleman after his levies had been openly censured by the enemies of his administration he thus expressed himself before the custom was established which now accommodates foreign characters strangers and others who from motives of curiosity respect to the chief magistrate or any other cause are induced to call upon me i was unable to attend to any business whatsoever four gentlemen consulting their own convenience rather than mine were calling from the time i rose from breakfast often before until i sat down to dinner this as i resolved not to neglect my public duties reduced me to the choice of one of these alternatives either to refuse them altogether or to appropriate a time for the reception of them the first would i well know be disgusting to many the latter i expected would undergo animadversion from those who would find fault with or without cause to please everybody was impossible i therefore adopted that line of conduct which combined public advantage with private convenience and which in my judgment was unexceptionable in itself these visits are optional they are made without invitation between the hours of three and four every tuesday i am prepared to receive them gentlemen often in great numbers come and go chat with each other and act as they please a porter shows them into the room and they retire from it when they choose and without ceremony at their first entrance they salute me and i them and as many as i can talk to i do what pomp there is in all this i am unable to discover perhaps it consists in not sitting to this two reasons are opposed first it is unusual secondly which is a more substantial one because i have no room large enough to contain a third of the chairs which would be sufficient to admit it if it is supposed that ostentation or the fashion of courts which by the by i believe originate oftener in convenience not to say necessity than is generally imagined gave rise to this custom i will boldly affirm that no supposition was ever more erroneous for were i to indulge my inclinations every moment that i could withdraw from the fatigues of my station should be spent in retirement that they are not proceeds from the sense i entertain of the propriety of giving to every one as free access as consists with that respect which is due to the chair of government and that respect i conceive is neither to be acquired nor preserved but by maintaining a just medium between too much state and too great familiarity similar to the above but of a more familiar and sociable kind are the visits every friday afternoon to mrs washington where i always am these public meetings and a dinner once a week to as many as my table will hold with the references to and from the different departments of state and other communications with all parts of the union is as much if not more 
than i am able to undergo for i have already had within less than a year two severe attacks the last worse than the first a third it is more than probable will put me to sleep with my fathers at what distance this may be i know not his inauguration and speech to congress the ceremonies of the inauguration having been adjusted by congress the president attended in the senate chamber on the thirtieth of april in order to take in the presence of both houses the oath prescribed by the constitution to gratify the public curiosity an open gallery adjoining the senate chamber had been selected by congress as the place in which the oath should be administered having taken it in the view of the an immense concourse of people whose loud and repeated acclamations attested the joy with which his being proclaimed president of the united states inspired them he returned to the senate chamber where he delivered the following address fellow citizens of the senate and of the house of representatives among the vicissitudes incident to life no event could have filled me with greater anxieties than that of which the notification was transmitted by your order and received on the fourteenth day of the present month on the one hand i was summoned by my country whose voice i can never hear but with veneration and love from a retreat which i had chosen with the fondest predilection and in my flattering hopes with an immutable decision as the asylum of my declining years a retreat which was rendered every day more necessary as well as more dear to me by the addition of habit to inclination and of frequent interruptions in my health to the gradual waste committed on it by time on the other hand the magnitude and difficulty of the trust to which the voice of my country called me being sufficient to awaken in the wisest and most experienced of her citizens a distrustful scrutiny into his qualifications could not but overwhelm with despondence one who inheriting inferior endowments from nature and unpractised in the duties of civil administration ought to be peculiarly conscious of his own deficiencies in this conflict of emotions all i dare aver is that it has been my faithful study to collect my duty from a just appreciation of every circumstance by which it might be effected all i dare hope is that if in accepting this task i have been too much swayed by a grateful remembrance of former instances or by an affectionate sensibility to this transcendent proof of the confidence of my fellow-citizens and have thence too little consulted my incapacity as well as disinclination for the weighty and untried cares before me my error will be palliated by the motives which misled me and its consequences be judged by my country with some share of the partiality in which they originated such being the impressions under which i have in obedience to the public summons repaired to the present station it will be peculiarly improper to omit in this first official act my fervent supplications to that almighty being who rules over the universe who presides in the councils of nations and whose providential aids can supply every human defect that his benediction may consecrate to the liberties and happiness of the people of the united states a government instituted by themselves for these essential purposes and may enable every instrument employed in its administration to execute with success the functions allotted to his charge in tendering this homage to the great author of every public and private good i assure myself that it expresses your sentiments not less than my own nor those of my fellow-citizens at large less than either no people can be bound to acknowledge and adore the invisible hand which conducts the affairs of men more than the people of the united states every step by which they have advanced to the character of an independent nation seems to have been distinguished by some token of providential agency and in the important revolution just accomplished in the system of their 
united government the tranquil deliberations and voluntary consent of so many distinct communities from which the event has resulted cannot be compared with the means by which most governments have been established without some return of pious gratitude along with an humble anticipation of the future blessings which the past seemed to presage these reflections arising out of the present crisis have forced themselves too strongly on my mind to be suppressed you will join with me i trust in thinking that there are none under the influence of which the proceedings of a new and free government can more auspiciously commence by the article establishing the executive department it is made the duty of the president to recommend to your consideration such measures as he shall judge necessary and expedient the circumstances under which i now meet you will acquit me from entering into that subject farther than to refer to the great constitutional charter under which you are assembled and which in defining your powers designates the objects to which your attention is to be given it will be more consistent with those circumstances and far more congenial with the feelings which actuate me to substitute in place of a recommendation of particular measures the tribute that is due to the talents the rectitude and the patriotism which adorn the characters selected to devise and adopt them in these honourable qualifications i behold the surest pledges that as on one side no local prejudices or attachments no separate views nor party animosities will misdirect the comprehensive and equal eye which ought to watch over this great assemblage of communities and interests so on another that the foundations of our national policy will be laid in the pure and immutable principle of private morality and the preeminence of free government be exemplified by all the attributes which can win the affections of its citizens and command the respect of the world i dwell on this prospect with every satisfaction which an ardent love for my country can inspire since there is no truth more thoroughly established than that there exists in the economy and course of nature an indissoluble union between virtue and happiness between duty and advantage between the genuine maxims of an honest and magnanimous policy and the solid rewards of public prosperity and felicity since we ought to be no less persuaded that the propitious smiles of heaven can never be expected on a nation that disregards the eternal rules of order and right which heaven itself has ordained and since the preservation of the sacred fire of liberty and the destiny of the republican model of government are justly considered as deeply perhaps as finally staked on the experiment entrusted to the hands of the american people besides the ordinary objects submitted to your care it will remain with your judgment to decide how far an exercise of the occasional power delegated by the fifth article of the constitution is rendered expedient at the present juncture by the nature of objections which have been urged against the system or by the degree of inquietude which has given birth to them instead of undertaking particular recommendations on this subject in which i could be guided by no lights derived from official opportunities i shall again give way to my entire confidence in your discernment and pursuit of the public good for i assure myself that whilst you carefully avoid every alteration which might endanger the benefits of a united and effective government or which ought to await the future lessons of experience a reverence for the characteristic rights of freemen and a regard for the public harmony will sufficiently influence your deliberations on the question how far the former can be more impregnably fortified or the latter be safely and advantageously promoted 
to the preceding observations i have one to add which will be most properly addressed to the house of representatives it concerns myself and will therefore be as brief as possible when i was first honoured with a call into the service of my country then on the eve of an arduous struggle for its liberties the light in which i contemplated my duty required that i should renounce every pecuniary compensation from this resolution i have in no instance departed and being still under the impressions which produced it i must decline as inapplicable to myself any share in the personal emoluments which may be indispensably included in a permanent provision for the executive department and must accordingly pray that the pecuniary estimates for the station in which i am placed may during my continuance in it be limited to such actual expenditures as the public good may be thought to require having thus imparted to you my sentiments as they have been awakened by the occasion which brings us together i shall take my present leave but not without resorting once more to the benign parent of the human race in humble supplication that since he has been pleased to favour the american people with opportunities for deliberating in perfect tranquillity and dispositions for deciding with unparalleled unanimity on a form of government for the security of their union and the advancement of their happiness so his divine blessing may be equally conspicuous in the enlarged views the temperate consultations and the wise measures on which the success of this government must depend End of chapter five part one